Good to see everyone this morning. Thank you for being here. We doing okay? All right. Well, I want to talk about things that are able to give us an energy boost. And I just love things that give me a little bit more pep in my step. For example, I love those little packets called emergency. Have you ever had one of those emergency packets? Raise your hand. And, and you can use a whole bottle of water for the emergency and dilute it that way. But what I love to do is have a shot of emergency. So I just use five ounces of water, I, I slam it back, and it's like I can feel the B vitamins lifting my eyelids and making me more awake. It's a good morning with emergency. Or I consider the joy of coffee. Where are my coffee drinkers? Yeah, I, I love you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm among you. I, I believe in this, this quote that life is fueled by Jesus and coffee. That's a, it's a great way to live. And um, I want to tell you about my, my favorite drink right now. It is the Starbucks cold brew. That cold brew is just fantastic. As it's, it's getting a little warmer now, the warmer temperatures. And, and I believe that the cold brew process actually preserves more caffeine. Uh, so, so there's something about this drink that just makes me feel amazing. Well, I'm not into energy drinks. I know some people use those. There's third, wor- third shift workers who use them to get by those five-hour energy drinks. Some of you might say, well, I am boosted by a, a tall glass of water. And I want you to know if you're boosted by that, I respect you. You're stronger than me, but I cannot relate to you, okay? I, I'm sorry. I am probably dehydrated right now. And you think of what a good coffee fixture can do for your day. If you're grooving in that caffeine spirit, you can, you can go to a meeting with focus and intentionality. You don't have to be having, again, the yawns mid, midday. In fact, I remember when energy drinks first came out is when I was in college. Often I had to travel from Minnesota down to Florida in my rockin' Ford Probe GT. And uh, Monster Energy Drinks came out at just the right time. And one of those babies, the double portion, that, that was enough. That was enough to get me from Minnesota to Florida no, help, no hotel, thank you very much. We're gathered in the church of God, right? And again, how good to be here. And do you know that the church of God has something that's way better than all the B vitamins in the world? Way better than even Starbucks cold brew, and we call it the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power in Christians to give them a boost and enable them to, to do things that they didn't think they could do. To say things they never thought they would say. To be about and to stand up for things that maybe they never thought they would. And that spirit is present in this place. That spirit, it is still with us. Which is why, by the way, I think a church is the best place to be. Because not only do we have the spirit, but we do have caffeine too. Um, And if we want emergency packets, maybe we'll start doing cold brew. But, But this is the best place to be because of all that the spirit can accomplish through us and in us. And we're in this series called Awakenings, and we just kicked it off last Sunday. If you want to catch up online, you feel free to do. But we're talking about how the Spirit can get us from a place where we were struggling to maybe we feel a little bit stronger, where we feel like we're, we're grooving in the Spirit and we're doing great things because of that Spirit of God. And today we get to focus on the story of Pentecost, where, where the Spirit was poured out. Maybe some of you have heard of the story of Pentecost. If not, I'll explain it. But, but this is what, um, again, Jesus promised would happen on Pentecost. He said, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, namely the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you have been, can you read this yellow with me, clothed with power from on high. Now, I read that, I'm like, I want some of that. That sounds better than Starbucks cold brew. 
And I tell you, it is found in this place. It is the Holy Spirit who, again, can work inside of all of us, and we are still living in that Pentecost era. In fact, do you know that if you're a believer, you have the Spirit inside of you? Your body is actually a temple of that Spirit. He's living and active. And that's the Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the one working in you. Let me remind you of that if you're a believer. It says, do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you right now? Who is strong in you? And this place, do you know you come to this place and it's filled with the Spirit? And the Spirit is so much bigger than your emotion. Like, if you're not feeling well, it doesn't mean the Spirit isn't here. The Spirit is here because the Word of God is being proclaimed, and God uses that Word uh, to bring the Spirit and empower us, to give us strength that we couldn't give to ourselves. And because the Spirit is living in us and is here, I guess the question then is, what great things might the Holy Spirit enable you to do? I can do great things through a monster energy drink, but what great things might the Holy Spirit enable all of us to do? I think that question is worth the price of your attention. Why we should dig in together to the Word of God and discover how the Spirit might use us. So you ready to dig into the Word of God? All right. So, so we're in this series again, Awakenings, and, and we're really trying to get a believe list, not a to-do list. A believe list that if there are some things we can learn and believe, sink deep in our soul, that will give us some strength. And I think we'll find some more things to believe, some great concepts. And we're going to again turn to now the Pentecost story when the Spirit was poured out. Um, It's from Acts chapter 2. You can follow along here or in your worship folders, whatever works. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, and, and can I just say there were a lot of countries? A lot of people represented there. And I'm going to skip down to this. Amazed and perplexed. See, that's how you be a pastor. You don't have to worry about pronouncing the names. You just skip over them. Anyway, uh, (laughs) a lot of people were there. Uh, Amazed and perplexed, uh, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, well, they've had too much to whine. Well, then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. And and the reason this struck me, raised his voice, is because he is the one who had just lowered his voice, denied Jesus three times, even before being warned by Jesus, said, no, I'm going to die. But now he's raising his voice. Why? The Spirit. Raised his voice, addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit in all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those last days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Have we had any blood moons lately? Last couple years, has the sun ever been turned to darkness through eclipse? 
I guess we're living in this era. Anyway, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That name is so precious. That name we need to lift high, not only here, but every day that we live. And we're going to talk about that today. In fact, could you turn to your neighbor and tell them, greater things are possible. To the person next to him and just tell him, greater things are possible. Greater things are possible. Let's talk about those greater things. Well, as we dig in, I am um, just wondering uh, who is tuning into the royal wedding, where my royal wedding tuner enters. And I am just amazed how much coverage the royal wedding gets. Like, I have learned things that I'm not sure I need to know. I, I really, like, there are many things I need to know. Like, maybe the volcano in Hawaii, I need to know what's happening there. Maybe even the next mayor of Chicago. But what is happening with Meghan Markle's father? I'm not sure I need to know that much about it. I don't need to know that they rehearse, you know, the, the carriage bringing. But it's interesting. And have you ever wondered what our attention is drawn to and why it's drawn there? You ever done a dichotomy? Like, out of all the news, this is what they decide to report. It's interesting what gets the spotlight sometimes. Again, here was that royal wedding. And if you didn't hear about Meghan Markle's father, he didn't, by the way, show up for everyone who was interested. He didn't show up. He didn't walk her down. I'm sorry to, to break the news. Important stuff, right? Well, the reason I bring this up is because every now and then, a spotlight is shown on certain things. And on the day of Pentecost, God was actually bringing the spotlight. Not the media, not the world, but God was shining a spotlight to draw attention to his people. He was making noise so that in return, they could make noise. And in fact, look, look what happened. Suddenly the sound, like the blowing of a violent wind. So I'm not exactly sure that happened. It wasn't actually the wind, but they heard this great sound. And what was the result? When they heard the sound, a crowd came. See, God was drawing attention to his people, drawing attention, giving a spotlight so that his people, after God brought the noise, would make noise for him. You ever been in the spotlight? I believe it happens every now and then. I was on The Price is Right. Got the spotlight. I'm a big believer that the spotlight is to be leveraged for the glory of a greater name. That if you find yourself in the spotlight, it is so. You can confess, do you know that the Lord is my strength? Do you know this is for the glory of God who gave me the ability to be here at this point in time? The ability to proclaim who he is and what he has done. And the fact that, that, that there was a spotlight shown was part of the point of Pentecost. Now, for me, I believe we should take our cue from what God did here. Just as God was orchestrating a crowd, so I think that sometimes we should do things that orchestrate a crowd, that make a noise so that people would gather. In fact, the first takeaway for today is this. I believe that as a church body, collectively, let's be a noisy church. Let's be a noisy church. And, and let me explain this a little bit. You ever have a noisy neighbor? Maybe you live in a neighborhood and you always know when certain houses have that party. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Or you were in an apartment complex and you know who loves to watch their movies loud. And it's interesting because I've had a few nights, you know, living in the neighborhood where, where you just hear that, that, that drum beat of the, the, the sound, the, 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 whether it's hip-hop, whether it's EDM music, you just hear boom, 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 boom. I want to sleep, boom, 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 boom. Still want to sleep, boom, boom, boom. And my wife turns over like, I don't like this, boom, boom. Go do something about it. I can't, boom, boom. Uh, 
maybe we should write a note, boom, boom, maybe we shouldn't, boom, boom. And, just, you know, it's always just, you know, and you want to say, turn it off. Sick of this. You're thinking about going over at 2 a.m. and being like, I was in college once, but I'm not anymore. Please, we have children. Because we're frustrated by the noise. Well, I believe that the church of God should be so noisy that, that we should be like those neighbors. That even if they wanted us to be quiet, we'd be like, sorry, dude, can't. That we should create such a noise that people, as they try to ignore us, they just can't ignore us. Because we'd just be too noisy in the community. They, they'd want to turn their attention otherwise, but they couldn't. And here's how I think our church is being noisy. First of all, we're going to make a free garage sale. So giving away free things and then donating it all to the uh, Frankfurt Food Pantry. And we want to be more involved in the community, being noisy for the name of Jesus. In fact, I hear that Frankfurt has these concerts on the green. And so they're already making a noise. What we're going to do is sponsor those concerts on the green so that our name will be attached to the noise. We also want to write for the local paper, be involved in the community and the chamber. We, we want to have a soccer camp for free kids, uh, for, for kids to learn about Jesus and soccer. And so we want to be noisy for the name. And do you know, I don't believe it's just the church's job to go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I believe that it's all of our job. That when people get around you, they would just know, oh, I'm going to see them. And they're just a little noisy. Like I get around and there's just a steady stream of Jesus. And I believe that's a good picture for us. We should be like that boom box from the 80s on the shoulder. And when people get around us, like that boom box is Jesus, 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 Jesus. And, and, and I, wonder, I wonder in your life if, if, if that was the case. When you share Jesus, is there enough of a beat to dance to? Like are people just knowing they get around you, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Or are you like, Jesus? No one can dance to that one. Right? It's questionary. And I, again, believe that God should make us that constant beat that cannot be turned off, not only in the church, but as individuals following Jesus. You know, I recently went to a conference where it was all about sharing the faith. Share your faith day. I was one of the presenters, along with Brian Potempa, talking about witnessing in the workplace, our president. And I had a chance to see my old pastor. Um, he was my mentoring pastor in South Carolina. He's now working for our larger church body, our synod, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, and he has a grand vision for our synod. His vision is this, that when people are accustomed to the wells, they'd be accustomed to, to, to know one thing, that they're the church body that boldly proclaims. They're the church body with a beat. That when you get around them, it is hard to miss Jesus, 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 Jesus. He didn't say it that way, by the way. But I share that vision. I believe that for each one of us, we should be known for the ones who are boldly confessing the name of our God. And I believe that being noisy for the name was the point of Pentecost. Was the point and the reason that the Spirit came upon his disciples. When we turn back to it, look at what it says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what will that power enable you to do? You will, I don't want to fill it in yet, because I did some study on what the Spirit can enable us to do. 
If you've ever done a, a study of the spiritual gifts, here, here's a quick overview. There were speaking gifts by the Spirit and serving gifts by the Spirit. There's actually a raging debate um, how many of those same gifts are, are still happening today, the gifts of like miracles and healing. And, and I won't uh, weigh in on that other to say that, that we still have a God who walks on water, and yet um, I, I don't, I, I don't want to limit our God. Don't, I, I don't have the gifts of healing. I don't have the gifts of miracles either. But again, I don't want to limit God. But, but here are some of these, these gifts but after studying uh, why the Spirit was poured out and, and what he can do in us, I came to a conclusion. That, that speaking gifts were so predominant that maybe one of the greatest things we can do is what follows next after the power was poured out. So back to the passage. It said, you will receive power and you will be, read this, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You're going to get sick of that, but you're going to remember it. Don't worry. <clears throat> that maybe he is working in your life. He's been poured out in your heart. He's in, in you right now as a temple so that you can be a simple witness. And here's the first belief. The first belief today is believe that the greatest thing you can do by the Spirit is to be noisy for the name of Jesus. And maybe it is by how you serve, but potentially still how you confess your faith. You know, I was doing some research over what Christians see of their responsibility to share Jesus. There's a study given me by the Barna Group over how well we are confessing the name or not. And it was a sobering study. It seems that instead of being more noisy about the name, we're actually growing quieter. Let me share with you a statistic from there. It said, in 1993, 89% of Christians who had shared their faith agreed that this is the responsibility of every Christian. Today, just 64% say so, a 25% drop. But, but let me be clear. Is it your responsibility to share Jesus? The answer is yes. I consider light bulbs. You change light bulbs, we do those light bulb jokes of how many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb, and the answer, by the way, is, is none because we never change, but anyway, um, <clears throat> it's a bad one, isn't it? Not here! Anyway, changing the tide. Anyway, uh, but you think of changing light bulbs, and, and how many of you keep your burnt out light bulbs? Like, oh, but it was a nice light bulb, this, this burnt out, it has feelings too. I, I don't want to throw it in the garbage. That would disgrace my wonderful light bulb that doesn't shine. No! I don't have a bag and a collection of burnt out light bulbs. I throw them in the trash. And maybe they'll explode and that'll be cool. But anyway. Um, God has made it very apparent, and I just want to be very clear. You are a light bulb. But a light bulb that does not shine is not worth very much. In fact, even at our free garage sale, we will not be giving out burnt-out light bulbs. No one's going to take them. And so today is the day to recognize that maybe, 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 I need to see that my point was to shine. My point, and, and God's spirit in me, is to be noisy for the name of Jesus. That when people get around me, they're just accustomed to me telling how God is working in my life, telling them what Jesus has done, how great he is. But maybe it's also a day to repent and be real with the fact that we don't always do this well. That there have been times given us by God that we haven't been bold for the name of Jesus. 
There have been times where we thought, well, someone else can do it. It doesn't have to be me. And for this, I'd encourage you to repent if you've ever been there. To change your mind. And even when it comes to being a light bulb, I'm convicted as well. And, and I realize once again that if salvation were up to my performance, I would never be saved. But salvation is a gift of God. And Jesus is so great because of what he does for us, not because of what we do for him. And so let me tell you about Jesus. Do you know he speaks your name? Do you know he knows your name? When it comes to the end of our lives, he's going to speak your name before his Father in heaven and say, yeah, I know them, come in. in." Do you know right now, whenever you pray to God, he is our mediator saying, Father, hear him. Hear him. Hear hear them. We know their name. He is radical about your name and who you are so that you might be saved, so that you might know his goodness and his power in you. In fact, one of the passages about knowing your name came from Isaiah. I want to share with you. It says, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've bought you back from being worthless, from being a burnt out light bulb. I've summoned you by name and you are mine. I love a God who wants to claim me. A God who says, regardless of everything I know about you, you're still mine. And he's so much better than me. Because have you ever been around children that you didn't want to claim as your own? Sometimes you can be at a production, and they're giving off that, 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 that attitude face, and they're fighting the person next to them, and in the midst of the public forum, like they're getting yelled at, and you're like, that's not my child. But like everyone knows it is. And I love that God will never do that with me. That God who sees all my acting up and all my attitude and all the things I get wrong, he still says, mine. Love him. And he does it because of his cross, which paid our punishment. He does it because in the place of our imperfections, he has given us the perfection of his righteous right robe. We we have been forgiven, and that means you are his, and that's not going to change tomorrow. He just says, mine. Oh, Look at my child. Isn't that a great son? Isn't that a great daughter? Oh, We call that unconditional love that was won through the cross of Christ. But there's something more that I want to explore with you on as we consider Pentecost. And it's actually, it, it seems like a tangent. And so if it's okay, this is a tangential teaching, but, but I wanted to go with you on a tangent. And, and what I wanted to proclaim to you is the day that it happened. So, so a little bit of background. Pentecost was 50 days, it's the word for 50, after Passover. Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. And it was actually a celebration of first fruits. What this means is that all the believers were bringing their first fruits to God. If they were farmers, the first of the crop to God, the finest and the best. Which is, by the way, still a New Testament principle of giving. We're going to bring to God our first and our best. This is what we're going to do to depend on him for everything. So it was the day of first fruits. It's when everyone again was saying, God, here you go. And on a day that it was supposed to be about believers giving to God, what does God do? He says, here you go. (laughs) I love a God that you cannot give. You cannot outgive. I love a God when we bring our best, he says, I got something better. And that's what I want you to believe as well. Would you believe that you cannot outgive God? That as you try to serve him, as you try to give, as you try to use the spirit inside of you, he'd just say, I saw that. I want to give you something better. 
That's what he did at Pentecost. That's been my experience. You cannot outgive the greatness of our God. But back to being noisy about the name. It's Confirmation Sunday, and our confirmands are like, when are you going to be done, Pastor? Because I think I'm ready to be done with this nervousness. <laughs> You'll do great. And an interesting discussion came up as we were practicing this past week. It was, Pastor, do you ever get nervous? And do you remember the answer? Every time. <laughs> In fact, um, on Saturday night, you don't want to be around me. My family wants to kick me out of the house because of all the nervous energy that is stored up in me. Every single time. And yet I would ask you, does God still use me as I proclaim Jesus? So can he perhaps use you? The answer is indeed. Absolutely. Because it's not about us. Because the Spirit can enable foolish things to, to look wise and weak things to appear strong. That's just what the Spirit does. In fact, that's what happened on Pentecost. When, when they got to Pentecost, look what happened. They, they were utterly amazed because everyone was saying, aren't these Galileans? And, and most of them were fishermen. Like, the, these are people who never studied other language. They didn't have access to Duolingo. Uh, they didn't have the Rosetta Stone copy. No, no, these were just foolish things that, that God made appear wise because he was strong in them. And that was the point, that he's going to be the power. It's not going to be about us. And so he will get the glory. And so I love this. And the next thing I want you to believe is this, that believe then that the Holy Spirit can grant you the strength, the boldness, and the words to speak. He can. It might seem like an obstacle. How do I be a light bulb? He can. And whenever people are bold, isn't it memorable? Some of you family members, you're going to remember what your confirmants say. And I have in my mind just a highlight reel of bold confessions of faith. For example, I still remember Tim Tebow and his eye black, John 3.16. Remember when Kathy Lee Gifford, and I only know about her because of my mom, but anyway, Kathy Lee Gifford, um, <laughs> her husband died and she shared a miraculous testimony about where he is and faith in Jesus on the Today Show after that happened. And I was just attuned to another bold confession of Jesus. It happened during the royal wedding. Did anyone see priest Michael Curry's confession of Jesus? This was an amazing sermon. The power of love and what love can propel you to do. And he was just rocking it. He was just noisy for the name of Jesus. I thought he was going to knock over the candles. But anyway, um, and I know what that's like. We've, we've had fire problems in the past. Different story, different time. But anyway, um, but he was just being noisy for the name. In fact, look at some of the sermon. He said, someone once said that Jesus began the most revolutionary movement in human history. A movement grounded in unconditional love of God for the world. And a movement mandating people to live out that love. And in so doing, to change not only their, their own lives, but the very life of the world itself. I was struck by his boldness. And that's, again, what our confirmands get to do. And I would encourage you to be inspired by them. That if 7th and 8th graders can get up here and get their papers and say, Pastor said we can do it, so here we go that maybe if you're 30, 40, 50, you're old enough to do this too. That maybe if you're younger than that, the Spirit is still powerful enough to work in you. That He can create boldness in you. So believe in strength 
But one final B. Be this. Be intentional about your testimony. Maybe you need to write down how God has worked in your life so that you're prepared to tell others what God means to you. Maybe you need to get a thumbnail sketch of all the things Jesus did. How Jesus was promised, how he came, how he died, how he rose so that sinners could be set free. But I want you to be intentional about your testimony because you are a light. And these are the greater things that I think we can do together. This is what the Spirit can propel us to do. So that they, when they get around people from amazing love, all they hear, Jesus, 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 Jesus. May God so bless you. Amen.